Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Have you found the 118th Psalm yet? Amen. Glory to God. Let's begin reading in the 19th verse of the 118th Psalm. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, this, this verse of scripture is one of those that people quote uh, a lot uh, it finds its way on stationary. It finds its place in cross stitch and in bordery and it finds itself on refrigerators and all kinds of places. And, and, and people will often quote this verse of scripture about, you know, they'll, they get up, you know, in the morning and they'll, they'll say, oh, this, you know, this is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And usually people are talking about that day. You know, that particular day of the week. Back in, in the earlier days of the charismatic movement, we used to sing a song, This Is The Day. Anybody remember that song? This is, we kick our heels up a little bit. This is the day. Remember that? This is the day that the Lord has made. And, and again, everybody's talking about, you know, Monday or Tuesday, a day of the week. That's not at all what this verse of Scripture is talking about. And, and while I'm at it, this, is not, this is, has nothing to do with my message, but there are a lot of Scriptures like that that people take out of their setting and use a phrase the wrong way. We did it this morning in praise and worship. Steve looking at her, ah! <laughs> How did it go? I will lift him high. I will praise and lift him high. You know, that comes from the 12th chapter of John's gospel where Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. Based on that scripture, that's where that phrase that comes from in praise song, lift Jesus, we used to sing a song, lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher, lift him up for the world to, do you remember that song? Yeah, some of you do. That's not at all what that scripture's talking about. We take that scripture and apply it to praising God, and there's nothing wrong, because today that's sort of what that means. But when Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted, you look it up in the 12th chapter of John. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. The very next verse says, this he said, signifying by which death he was going to die. It's talking about being lifted up on the cross as a curse for mankind. But we, we use it a different way. Well, this scripture, we do the same thing. We, we, we apply this to a day of the week, you know. But in, in the Bible, the Bible often uses the word day 
to refer to a period of time. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, we do that in our lives today. We, we do, we refer to, you know, we refer to grandma's day, back in grandma's day, you know. Well, that's not talking about Tuesday of grandma's life. It's talking about, you know, a day. I, I like to talk about my kids, you know, and, and, you know, they roll their eyes. But, you know, in my day, you ever heard your parents say, well, back in my day. You know, back in, now I grew up hearing about my parents' day. They talked about the Great Depression days. And there might be some of you that can, that can remember that. I don't remember it. Of course, I was, I'm too young for that. But uh, my parents talked about, you know, how they'd worked, you know, all day for a dollar. I remember not working all day, but I, I remember mowing lawns and a good-sized lawn. I mean, it was a residential neighborhood. You know, our, our lots were 100 to 150 by 150, you know, feet deep, and it was a good-sized lawn. We, my brother and I would both, we had a push mower, and it was a, about a 20 or 22-inch cut, you know, it wasn't very big. And we would push mow that yard for a dollar and a half. We, we went around the neighborhood. For a dollar and a half, we would mow the lawn. And my brother and I would both take turns mowing, and we'd split it, and we got 75 cents each. <laughs> now, if we mowed a corner lot, there was a corner lot across the street from us because there was a road that came down that kind of dead-ended in, in our in the street I was on. Right across from me was a corner lot, and sometimes the man over there would let us mow his yard, and a corner lot was $3. Boy, we love corner lots because they usually weren't twice as big. Sometimes they were more, but they usually weren't quite twice as big. But we really, I mean, we made good money at, a do, at 75 cents, basically, to mow a lawn. And, and we had neighbors that, one, one, we had a big, big, steep drop-off in our neighborhood behind some houses down from us, and there was a real low creek down there, and these people had a pool, a swimming pool. And... Just behind the pool, this grass dropped well. And we'd have to go down that, you know, dangerous. We had on flip-flops and tennis shoes, you know. We'd go down, you know, with that mower and pull it back up and go back down. dollar and a half we got for it. Well, those days are gone, aren't they? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about a day of the week. Let's read some more verses. You know, this is found a lot. This is one of those passages that... Uh, the New Testament refers to quite often. And so that uh, uh, tells us of the importance of it. Turn over to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. And let's, let's look at... Uh, let's look at... Well, we're going to look at the 42nd verse. But this is the parable of the, of the vine dresser. Remember Jesus told about the, the uh, uh, landowner who went out and, and planted a vineyard and... and uh, uh, he sent his servants, you know, to receive the fruit of the vine and they killed one and he sent another one and they, they beat one. He sent another one, they killed one and another one, they stoned him, you know. And then finally he said, I'll send him my son. They'll reverence my son. And they took and, and, and killed him too. Jesus asked, you know, well, well what will he do? What will the, what will the uh, owner of the vineyard do when he comes? Verse 41, they said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyards to other vine dressers who will render him the fruits in their seasons. So Jesus was talking about how the, 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 the word and the love of God and the opportunity of God and the message of God had been delivered to Israel over and over and over again, and they killed and stoned and persecuted the prophets. Finally, God sent his son. So he's talking about himself. Isn't that right? And... Uh, 
So they, they answered, he will destroy those wicked men miserably, lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Notice he quotes from the 118th Psalm, the passage we just read. And, and this, is, this is also recorded in Mark's gospel and in Luke's gospel. The same story, Jesus essentially worded slightly different, you know, but essentially made the same statement quoting from the 118th Psalm. And so go over with me now over to the book of Acts and let's look at the fourth chapter of Acts and we'll see where the, uh, the explanation of this verse is given. Acts chapter four, glory to God. Peter was preaching and he said, let it, this is verse 10, Acts 4, 10. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man, talking about the man that was healed, by him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Notice, he's talking about the day that the Lord has made. That verse is in association with the time when the stone which the builders rejected would become the chief cornerstone. And Peter said, Jesus Christ is that stone that you rejected and God raised him from the dead and made him the chief cornerstone. So he's saying this is the day. This is the day. What day is the day of the church? It's the day of the resurrection. It's the day of the church, the church age. But notice what else he says about it. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the day of the church and it's a day of salvation. This is the day of salvation. Listen, don't be looking in fear and in uh, concern about the things that are going on in the world as though some new day has dawned. We're living in the day of salvation. This is the day of salvation. Paul said today, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And I'm gonna tell you what, I've been reading some this week and you won't hear it reported very much, but according to what I've been reading, there is, a, there is a, an, an extensive salvation going on right now among men in Middle Eastern nations. In the Muslim nations of the world, there is an absolute outpouring of God's power and men who, who would otherwise be prime candidates for terrorism and extremism, they're getting born again in mass in those nations. This is a day of salvation. It's not a day to be looking down and digging a hole and, and, and seeing where we can hide ourselves. This is a day of salvation, glory to God. I just wanted to stir you up in this this morning. We're not living in a bad day. We're living in the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, glory to God. Woo, 
hallelujah. It's a day of salvation. Let's read some more about it before we get carried away. (laughs) There's more to carry us. Glory to God. Go over to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to show you that this is a, 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 a very important New Testament theme. Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Of course, we know that's talking about the church. This is the day of of the church in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And then turn with me, if you would, over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, do you have your shouting shoes on? Glory to God. 1 Peter chapter 2. Hallelujah. Let's start in verse number four. 1 Peter 2, 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. And he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. I want you to notice he said, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone. I lay in Zion. Did you hear that? I lay in Zion. Now, now that has a reference to the Old Testament, but it has a reference in the New Testament. Go over to Hebrews. Go back just a couple of pages to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, hallelujah, who are registered in heaven, the God, of ju- uh, the, God the judge of all, the, uh, the, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Glory to God, you've come to Mount Zion. So over here and go back to First Peter. Behold, I lay in Zion. I lay in the church, the church of the firstborn. That's the New Testament reference. When you read the word Zion in the New Testament, it's talking about the church. And when you read it in the Old Testament, you have to understand it has a dual application, has an application for the time that then was, but it then has a prophecy uh, uh, implication to the day in which we live now. The day of the church. Oh, hallelujah. Ooh, it's a day, it's a day, it's a day of salvation. Like I said, it's not a day to be wringing our hands. It's not a day to be looking for defeat. It's a day to be expecting great and marvelous victory, amen? It's a day of salvation. Now turn with me, if you would, over to Romans chapter one. Glory to God. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Unto salvation. This is the day of salvation. Well, what does that mean? Ralph Early, the esteemed uh, 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 Greek uh, commentator and, and authority, he said the fundamental idea contained in soteria, that's the Greek word for salvation. He said the the fundamental idea contained in soteria is the removal of dangers menacing to life and the consequent placing of life in conditions favorable to free and healthy expansion. (laughs) That's what salvation is, glory to God. He went on to say the basic idea of salvation is deliverance. The basic idea of this Greek word soteria is deliverance. Now, C.I. Schofield, that uh, authored the great Schofield reference Bible, he made this reference. He said the Hebrew and Greek words, Old Testament, New Testament, the Hebrew and Greek words for salvation imply the ideas of deliverance. Well, that's what Ralph Early said. Deliverance imply the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. He said salvation is the great all-inclusive word of the gospel gathering into itself all the redemptive acts and processes. This is a day of salvation. Well, if it's a day of salvation, it's a day of deliverance. If If it's a day of salvation, it's a day of safety. It's a day of preservation. It's a day of healing. This is a day of healing. Well, if it's the day of healing, then we don't have to question whether or not it's God's will to heal. Forget about questioning whether or not it's the Lord's will to heal you. It's the day of healing. It's the day of salvation. Certainly it's his will to heal you. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, people are in turmoil. They're not really convinced. But it is the day. This is the day. And it's the Lord's doing. I didn't do it. Kenneth Hagin didn't do it. Billy Graham didn't do it. Smith Wigglesworth didn't do it. The Apostle Paul didn't do it. This is the Lord's doing, he said. And it is marvelous. You can think whatever you want, but in my eyes, it's marvelous. It's gonna keep being marvelous in these eyes, amen. It's marvelous. Woo, hallelujah. It's the Lord's will. Now, I know that, of course, people can forfeit their right to walk in God's best. I understand that. Amen, and that's true. Now, some people don't want to hear that today, but that's true. You know, I've always, and if you go back and and go over any notes that you've taken and listen to messages that I've preached, because virtually everything I've ever said is recorded around here somewhere, and I have always, always been strong on grace. I've always preached, listen, your salvation is not about you, it's about God. It's not about what you've done, it's what Jesus did. It's all about him on our own and in and in and of ourselves. We don't deserve anything. It's all the grace of God. We couldn't even blink our eyes without the grace of God. Come on. Amen. And so while I've always been taught, I've always taught that Miss Strong, there has arisen, as you know, in recent times, an extreme grace message that is both erroneous and dangerous. And this grace message says that it doesn't matter what you do. Nothing you can do can interfere with receiving your blessings from God. But that's just not true. 
It's just not true. You go, you go over to, turn with me if you would just a minute. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. I, I guess some of these people have never read this part of the Bible. Amen. Go over to the, to the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Hallelujah. Look at the 29th verse. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, this is talking about receiving communion, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Notice he said this is the reason. Now this isn't the only reason, but this is, this is a large part of the reason. This is the reason he gave. He said for this reason, so we know this is an important reason. This is the reason many people are weak and sick and some have died prematurely. Not everybody, but some. He said this is the reason. What? Huh? Why are they weak and sickly among you? Not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. Now, the first application, if you look at the passage, if you go back and look back uh, towards the middle of this chapter and read on through, what he's talking about is not discerning one another. They were coming to communion and they were partaking of of communion in a way that was unloving. Some people had plenty, some had little, and so some people were gorging themselves and some didn't have enough to eat and some even were getting drunk in church. Other people didn't have anything. Excess. He said, that's not, that's not discerning the Lord's body. That we're members of one another. I tell you what, it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing how we treat one another. I said it's a serious thing how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we don't treat people right, if we don't walk in love towards one another, it will affect our health. Amen. For this cause. Notice he said for this cause and the cause was not not having a revelation of grace. That's what all the the extreme grace teachers said. Any problem people have, anything that's happening bad in people's lives is simply because they don't understand the grace of God. Well, not according to Paul. He said, this is the reason not discerning the Lord's body. It matters how we treat one another. It matters how ministers treat one another. Amen. I tell you what, there there are some real scoundrels that stand behind the pulpit and preach the, great, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and they absolutely treat other ministers terrible. It's, it's, it's a pathetic thing. Those things have consequences. It matters that, that preachers go in and try to steal members out of other people's churches. It matters to God. He is watching this. God, you need to understand that God doesn't always settle up at the end of every week. God is forbearing and he's gracious, giving people opportunity to repent. But when people persist in wrongdoing over a period of time, it's, it, it, it can cost you your life. And I've seen it with ministers. Go into a, period, you know, into a town and just take members out of another church without any regard to what that pastor there has done. Now listen, no pastor owns the city 
or the town. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are, there are, there are certain uh, uh, things that are ethical and there are some things that are not ethical. I, I know when Pastor Greg and Miss Amy, when they first graduated from Ramah, they went to Jacksonville and they went there ahead of, of Pastor Bruce and Cindy Black because they had promised to help them establish, start and establish the church there in Jacksonville. Well, Bruce and Cindy, they weren't ready at the time to make the move to Jacksonville. Greg and Amy had graduated from Rama, and so they went ahead and moved to Jacksonville to get set up and get jobs, you know, and start supporting themselves. Well, while they were there, for how long was it before? Six to eight months they were there before uh, Pastor Bruce and, and Pastor Cindy showed up to start the church. Well, during that time, Greg and Amy would drive over here every Sunday to come to, to, come to church at Impact. Drive 90 miles to come to church every Sunday. Now, it wasn't because there weren't good churches in Jacksonville. There were. They could have found a church to go to. But here's what happens. You, you take somebody, come into our congregation. Somebody comes in, shows up, you know, and, and they're new. And, of course, everybody welcomes them, particularly somebody like Greg because we have, a, uh, we have connections to people in Jacksonville. We know a lot of people because we were raised there and, and we're involved, you know, in churches there. And uh, uh, so he would, he would, there were a lot of people who would have known him. He wouldn't have known them because he was little, but they would have known him. And so, you know, somebody comes into congregation, oh, we're glad to have you, and just, you know, get involved because they're not going to sit around and do nothing. Get involved in the church, you know, start developing relationships, and then six or eight months later, they start telling people, well, actually, we're starting a church down the road. Well, see, there's a draw then. Anybody that's developed close relationships to to them, they're going to be tempted. Well, maybe we ought to go over there where you are. Now, they wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily, uh, they wouldn't, it's not that they would encourage that, but that's just the way people are because people are unstable. They don't, they don't look at the big picture sometimes. Well, Pastor Greg and Miss Amy, they knew that it would be unethical to get involved in a church and become close to people and then pull out and move across town or maybe not across town, maybe in the same neighborhood, start a church because then there's going to be a draw out of that church. So and to keep that from happening, they just made the drive every week over here so that they wouldn't have any attachments in Jacksonville. And then when Bruce and Cindy came to town, they started the church. They were able to go. That's just ethics. But evidently, they don't teach ethics in Bible school in very many places. They taught it at Ramah, but evidently, they don't teach it in a lot of places. I tell you what, it matters. It matters what churches do. It matters how church people treat other church people. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's not all right, it's bad. God doesn't like it when church people for one church try to go and and tell their friends, leave your church and come to my church. You got no business doing that. Now, I'm I'm talking about if it's a legitimate church. I'm not talking about some cult or some, you know, uh, group that passes it off as Christian, but they're not. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about legitimate churches that preach salvation. You know, leave that in God's hands. Leave it in God's hands. Live your life. If people see something and the spirit of God deals with them, that's one thing. But we don't need to be involved in being sheep thieves. Amen. It's wrong. Well, hallelujah. It's not my message, but it'll, it'll preach anyway. Glory to God. What was I talking about? It's a day of healing. Glory to God. It's not only a day of healing. It's a day of dominion. Woo! Hallelujah. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Let me get, get me get over there real fast. Colossians chapter 1. 
Got a lot to say. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Everybody say, I'm qualified. I'm qualified. You didn't qualify yourself. And you'll never qualify yourself. It's not about you. It's about what he did. But you can disqualify yourself. I said you can disqualify. You can't qualify yourself, but you can disqualify yourself because Paul just talked about it. For this reason, they disqualified. But let's go on. Praise God. I've dealt with that. Let's go on forward. (laughs) Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to become partakers of the inheritance. Again, did you work for the inheritance? If you work for it, it's not an inheritance. It's payment. An inheritance is free. An inheritance is something that's yours just because of who you are, who you came from, who you belong to. Oh, hallelujah. Giving thanks. Hallelujah. Partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Remember last week we talked about his inheritance in the saints? Remember that? It's his inheritance, but it's in the saints. Glory to God. He delivered us. He delivered us. He delivered us from the authority of darkness. That word power there in your, in your King James Bible is the Greek word exousia. It's the word for authority. And he delivered us from the authority of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Well, if we're delivered from the authority of darkness, another way of saying authority is dominion. He delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Well, the dominion and authority of darkness is the dominion and authority of the devil. Isn't that right? He delivered us from the devil's authority. We have been delivered, glory to God. We have dominion. It's a day of victory. It's a day of dominion, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. How come? Because he delivered us from the dominion of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Go over to the second chapter. Verse number 15, we looked at this last week in a different message altogether. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Having disarmed, having stripped off from himself, we read last week, principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. The, uh, the, uh, let's see, the Phillips translation says, He exposed them, shattered, empty, and defeated in his final glorious triumphant act. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, the devil is defeated. It's a day of dominion because the devil is defeated. His dominion's been broken. I grew up, listen, I grew up, we didn't understand that. You think, it, it, you, you think that's a small thing. It's not a small thing. Many people don't know this. I grew up in a church where we didn't know We didn't know the victory had been won. We were always trying to get the victory. A common saying among us, among our our movement, how goes the battle, brother? Ministers would walk to, you know, greet one another, hadn't seen one another in a while. How goes the battle, brother? Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me that I'll hold on faithful to the end. Y'all pray for me that I'll win. We were more battle conscious than, my goodness, Always, in, listen, I understand we go through some things. I've been through some things and, I, and all of us experience things in life. But it's all, it makes all the difference in the world how you approach things. Because when you approach it from the standpoint, well, I'm in this great battle and I just got this terrible battle and, and I, just, I just hope God will give me the victory and I hope he'll hold, I'll just hold out faithful. I hope he'll see me through. I hope he'll pull me out. Listen, that's one way to approach it, but you, you, you'll be in conflict constantly. 
You approach it from this way. Yeah, the devil's trying to come against me, but I know the battle's been won. The victory's been won. The devil's been defeated. This test, this trial has been defeated, glory to God. I have the victory. I'm not trying to get the victory. I'm not trying to get free. I'm not trying to get delivered, glory to God. I'm not trying to have dominion. Dominion's been handed to me. Glory to God, given to me. Oh, hallelujah, yeah. It's a good day. It's the day of the church. Woo! <laughs> Go back over to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. I asked you if you had your shouting, shouting suit shoes on. Some of you haven't put on yet. Some of you haven't put on, haven't put them on yet. You need to slip into them real quick. You're going to get left. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, yes. The stone, verse 22 which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Woo! What day? What day are we talking about? This, he's not talking about Monday. He's not talking about Tuesday. He's not talking about Wednesday. He's not talking about Thursday. He's not talking about Friday or Saturday. And he's not even talking about Sunday. He's talking about the day of rejoicing, the day of gladness, glory to God. The day of the church is a day of gladness, rejoicing. Not madness, gladness. Not complaining, but rejoicing. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah, if you don't have a shout about you, if you don't have a shout on you, if you don't have a shout bubbling up on the inside all the time, just looking for an excuse to let it spew just a little bit of rejoicing, glory to God, in every situation. That's why Paul said, rejoice in the Lord most of the time when things are going good and when everything looks all right and people are treating you okay. No, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, oh hallelujah. Woo! It's, that's, the, that's the day we're living in. We're living in the day of rejoicing. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. We're living in a day of revival. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. He said, repent, Acts chapter three. Repent and be converted that your sins might be blotted out so that times of revival... Times of refreshing. Some translations say some translations say times of revival or seasons of revival may come from the present. We're in a season of revival right now. Glory to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's a day of revival. Glory to God. It's the Lord's doing. You can't make a revival happen. You can't organize it. You can't plan it. You can't put committees together and get people linked together all over the world and come up with a massive plan and organization. That doesn't bring revival. It's the Lord's doing. He just lets us in on it so that we can exercise our faith, praise God. See, I know about my life, my personal life has been so impacted by revival. My personal history, my grandparents, and you've heard me talk about it, my grandparents and my grandmother on my dad's side in particular in the early days of the 20th century, the early 1900s, just a teenage uh, country girl from McKinney, McKinney, Florida. She went to a Brush Arbor meeting, 
got filled with the Holy Ghost. Saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. My aunts and uncles told me not long ago that when their mom, that was my grandmother, when she got filled with the Holy Ghost, she spoke in tongues for days and could not speak in English. She said she couldn't communicate. Every time she opened her mouth to say something to somebody, she just spoke in tongues. She was just overtaken by the Holy Ghost. Well, that shaped my family. My family heritage came out of revival. And then, you know, as I, as I uh, grew up, you know, in church, we, we had revival meetings, but they don't bring revival. We'd have a revival every, you know, two or three, some, maybe four times a year sometimes, with, you know, a week or two at a time. Sometimes they'd go longer. We'd bring in an evangelist and we'd have revival. Well, it never produced revival. That's not revival. You can't organize revival. Oh, but God sends them. Yeah, they come from the presence of the Lord. He said before Jesus returns, Acts 3, let's turn over there, Acts 3. I want you to be, be thoroughly aware of where we're going. Acts 3. Oh, hallelujah. Are you listening? Repent, therefore, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, seasons of revival may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. So Jesus has gone away. He's gone into heaven but awaiting his return and up to and right before the return of the Lord, he said that the Lord will send, if people will repent, that the Lord will send times of revival from his presence, glory to God. And notice, not only times of revival, but times of restoration. We're in a time of restoration. God's restoring some things in the church that the church hasn't walked in since the early, early, early days of the church. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're in it. We're in it. We're in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will not miss my day. Jesus said he wept over Jerusalem because they missed their day and their visitation. I'm telling you what, I don't want him weeping over me. I want him rejoicing over me. Glory to God. I want him saying, boy, go for it. You got it. You're getting it. Keep going. Come on. Let's have some more. Praise God. Let's have more revival. Let's have more praise. Let's have more rejoicing. Let's have more dominion. Let's have more victory. Let's have more salvation. Amen. Glory to God. Stand up. Praise God. This is the day which the Lord has made, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad and be glad. Not sad, but glad. Woo! Hallelujah. When the Lord turned again our captivity, we were like them who dreamed. Woo! Psalm 126. But the Lord filled our mouth with laughter and our tongues with singing. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! He has done great things. He is whereof I am. Whereof I am. Come on, you know the scripture. Whereof I am glad. <laughs> whereof I am glad. Not sad, mad. Glad. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, glory. 
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, glory. Glory, glory. My goodness. <laughs> oh, glory to God. I know you're standing up, but reach and grab your Bible again. I'm going to show you something. <laughs> Ooh, glory. Hallelujah. Remember what we were re- reading last week? How they wanted to have us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of some things. He talked about how God had raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Notice verse 21. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. This is Ephesians 1, verse 21. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I touched on this just, I actually said this last week and it it came out of my mouth. And when it came out of my mouth, I I remember thinking to myself, I'm not sure what that means, what I just said. Never never said it before. It just came out and I thought, I better explore that a little bit. I don't even know what I meant by that. He's been exalted above every name, all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet, and we're in the body, so we're in, that includes us, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. In other words, like, like other translations read, read, he gave him to be head over all these things for the sake of the church. See, he, he is our, he is our, uh, he is the principal one. He's been made of head of all things, but he didn't do it for himself. He did it for the church because we're all involved in it. But notice, it's not only in this age, but in the ages to come. And I said that, I think, last week. I said, even, even not just here, but when we get to heaven and in the, in the eons beyond us. Whoo which is his body, the church, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And, and, and let's go on down. Verse five, in chapter two, verse five, even when, because you know this wasn't written in chapter and verse, it was just divided by man. So this, he's still talking about the same thing. Even when we were dead and trespasses, he made us lie alive together with Christ. <laughs> oh my, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now here's what I want you to see. That in the ages to come, not just age, ages. In the, we're in the church age. 
But there are, there are some ages out there. Listen, it never ends. There's just one age. The, the church age is going to come to a close, but another age is going to open up. And after that, another age. And after that, another age. How many? I don't know. I just know there's more than one. There's more than one age to come. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness through us in Christ Jesus. See, in the ages to come, every name that's named, all principality, power, might, and dominion, every level of authority, of, of course you understand except Jesus himself, God, and the Holy Ghost, but every other. His name will, is above all names. He's been established as the head of everything, not only in this age, but in the age to come, and we, are, we will reign with him. I remember when I was growing up, now you, you, this dates you a bit, but in Pentecostal churches, particularly in holiness churches, we, we didn't believe in going to worldly entertainment of any kind. And uh, we didn't believe in going to the show. That was going to a movie show. They, you know, movies were called the movie shows. Pi, pi, excuse me, picture shows. The picture shows. We didn't go to picture shows. So we shortened that, you know, and, and, and we didn't go to the show. And I heard this story one time about this lady and she was a little Pentecostal woman. And, uh, you know, you don't, you don't know what it's like. Back in, back in my day, <laughs> Pentecostalism was, was ridiculed. I mean, people looked down. I mean, church people. They would mock us. And, and growing up, I, I, would, I, would, I, would, uh, I wouldn't mind anybody knowing anything about me. Other than, I mean, I, I don't care what people would know about me. I didn't want them to know I was Pentecostal. I hid, I hid that fact from my friends at school very well. And uh, I, I, was, I didn't want anybody to know I went to that tongue-talking church, that holy rolling church. We were called holy rollers. This little old lady, you know, she got ready to go to church one Sunday morning. She gets all dressed up. She's got her hat on. You know, the ladies wore those big old hats back then. Dear God, thank you, Lord, for delivering us. She had her big old hat on. You know, she's all dressed up. She marches out of her house. Marches up to the gate, you know, down the sidewalk of her house, opens the gate. She's going to go down the sidewalk. A neighbor woman always mocked her. Neighbor woman's out in the yard, you know, pulling weeds. Well, I guess you're going down to that holy roller church. I guess you're going down there to that tongue-talking church. She said, no, I'm going to the show. She stood up. She said, you're going to the show? What do you mean you're going to the show? You don't go to the show. She was talking about this verse right here. And she quoted this verse. She said that in the ages to come, he might show his, his goodness and his kindness to her. She said, I'm just going to a dress rehearsal. <laughs> We're just having dress rehearsal this morning. We're just having dress rehearsal this morning. We're just having dress rehearsal this morning. There's coming a show. There's coming a show. I said, God's going to put on a show. We're going to be in it, glory to God. He's going to use us to show his goodness and his kindness. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah! We're going to the show. We're going to the show. <laughs> We're going to the show. We're going to the show. Woo! <laughs> Glory to God. We're going to the show. <laughs> Hallelujah! Woo! Don't you want to come and go with me? 
Don't you want to come and go with me? Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.